Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. I've got Marilyn with me. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. And um, we're going to bring you a short and sweet episode because it is race week for Ironman Texas, which is the North American season opener for Ironman. And we wanted to give you our our kind of uh, racing um, thoughts and some hot takes on what to do and not to do if you're racing Ironman Texas this weekend or in the future. Yeah, Texas, Ironman Texas, first big one of the of the season over here in North America. And, you know, it's like always a big, big kickoff. And it feels like, all right, it's it's go time with the race season when when it's kind of like Oceanside and this one are the two that you think, okay, race season's on. Like this is this is big. Yeah, exactly. Oceanside's kind of like the uh the 70.3 hit out, and then this is the first Ironman. And you know, yeah, first Ironman in North America. So most likely no one has gone to like New Zealand to do an Ironman recently. So everyone is kind of re-remembering how to race Ironman. So we want to kind of give you, give you our advice. And since we both have actually done Ironman Texas, um, yeah, we kind of give you our opinions on, on the race. Yeah. It was the last Ironman I did. I remember doing it. Like I hadn't, I had retired in 2011 and I hadn't even done much at all. And I got convinced by all my athletes. It was like a team thing we're going to do together. And, and I thought, all right, well, I'll jump into an amateur Ironman. And I remember coming into the transition that morning and seeing you. So we were both out there that same, that same, what year was that? That was like 2000. And that was a long time ago now, right? Like five or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I was like maybe 16. I don't know. 18. Yeah. 16 or so, yeah. Somewhere in that range. So, and how many times have you done Texas? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I don't know, three or four. They, they all blend together at this point. <laughs> A few. The, the blur of Texas. Oh my gosh. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I know this is very close to pre-race, but I want to start a little bit with pre-race. Um, did you swim when you did that race before the race in the, in the lake there? Right. So that's a big question with some, some athletes have asked me, like, is it worth getting in that water? Because we know it's pretty, it's pretty murky, right? <laughs> murky is <laughs> a nice way of saying it. Um, so I, I did, I personally did, but I advise some of my athletes who are maybe susceptible to, you know, any kind of um, eye, ear, nose, throat, anything like that, uh, stomach issues to stay out of it. There's lots of good pools there. Definitely go down there, have a look at the mark, the houses, like the landmarks that are going to be, it's a pretty, it's a pretty friendly navigation type course, but you can still have a look at what some of the, you know, the landmarks are that are going to navigate on your way out there with the houses, which ones you're going to pick specifically the entrance entrance into the canal, what the start looks like. Like, even if you're not going to get in the water, just get go down there and become familiar with the start, the area, the course, that canal entrance, those kinds of things. But maybe if you're susceptible to anything, stay out of that water so that you don't get sick the days leading in. I personally did because I'm not susceptible to any of that stuff. And it was the first <laughs> triathlon I'd done in a long time. And I just wanted to get in there and, and float around a little bit. So how about you? Did you, do you get in there or just flat out stay out of it? <laughs> You know, I guess com coming from Arizona, where 
we didn't really have a chance to do any open water swimming before that race. I always do like to get in in my wetsuit and and just get used to the feel of open water again or skin suit based on the year. Um, but I am the same way where I I do kind of take a look and see what people are saying about how um, how polluted it is or how kind of what the levels are like if it's safe or how safe it is to swim in there. And I give people a kind of a a strong cautious like talk on if they want to actually get in that water because. Yeah, it is um, murky, as you put it. Um, so you definitely want to be careful if you do get in. Um, but yeah, I think I like I I was the same as you. I did swim, and I do think it is nice to to get a chance to get in. But if you are susceptible to getting sick, then I would stay out of it because that that's just a risk that's not willing to take, um, not worth it to take on like the Thursday or Friday before because one session isn't going to really change how you feel in the water on race day. It, it just like, it can be nice, but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to make or break your race. So if you're nervous, then I would say don't do it because every time I have swam in a place like that, I always get nervous after. So I spend the next like eight hours being like, Oh, am I going to get Stressing. sick? Am I going to get sick? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. It is worth having a look at how long that walk is from transition to the start because in whatever way, maybe you, maybe you, the athlete has a look at it, or you have one of your support crew, go ahead and do it and, and time it, you know, in the mornings, there's always a lot of crowds and, you know, there's a lot going on and to get yourself down to the start on time, you need to be aware of how long that walk is. Cause it's, I know they put it in the briefing and they're going to tell you that, but it's easy to forget and maybe go, oh yeah, how long really is it? But it's a little ways. And so you want to be prepared for that with your shoes, knowing what shoes you're going to have available to you. And you're happy to either give them some to someone, or if you don't have support, leave them down there and don't worry about ever seeing them again and know exactly how long it takes you to get there and still, you know, where you get down there, then are you going to do your warm up down there? Do you have everything you need? Do you still, you know, do you, um, you know, are you where your placing is as far as what your start time is, those kinds of things. So everything's so spread apart at this race. I feel like that is worth making sure you have a good plan for. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is being like stressed about trying to make that whatever it is, 15 minute walk go by faster when you're like pushing through crowds. So you'd much rather have it be kind of a relaxed morning, get there extra early, have a nice leisurely stroll. I mean, unless like a run is part of your warm up and you, you want to use it for that. But yeah, I, you want to have everything be kind of purposeful. And if it's going to be a relaxing 15 minutes, you want to have enough time to just kind of walk slowly and, and you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that is, that is a, a long walk. So that it's good to remember. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, you, you want to dive right into the race? Yeah. I mean, I think the big things to remember the day before is obviously that sim water, but also it can be easy with how spread out everything is. The other tip I'll give is make sure you're not spending massive amounts of time just out in the sun. You know, you're already going to be, you know, out there a lot with logistically how things are spread out with the transitions and then the swim and, you know, all of that. And it, and, and when you go to a big race, the first one of the year, you're seeing maybe catching up with people from all over the place that you haven't seen or teammates and having a lot of fun and conversations and looking around expos and stuff, just be careful because Texas, I know this year, the weather is maybe predicted to be a little bit cooler, but it's still Texas. And it, the longer you're just 
hanging around, standing out in the sun in when you don't need to, the more that's going to take away from your race. So be just aware and conscious of that. Always have you know, water on you or some kind of carb electrolyte drink that you're sipping on. You don't need to be pounding that stuff, but just sipping on it through the day because you're out there a long time. Just just straight up trying to get yourself organized with the logistics because of how, how, like I say, how spread out it is. So any additional time for that, put time limits to it. Like I got to go, I need to get out of the sun, get off my legs and, and not be just loitering around out there in the sun for, for hours, which can happen really easily like that. Yeah. And one thing I'm probably going to mention like 10 times during this is that it is, you know, no matter where you're coming from, it's going to be most likely a little bit hotter and for us in Arizona, a lot more humid. And so those days leading up where you are outside, it is going to be harder on you than you realize. And then even the temperature says, or maybe even how you feel out there just because of the, the humidity. So yeah, even if it's not hot, I feel like the humidity always makes it, makes it feel a lot hotter. And so being extra careful with all that stuff, just because of that. And if you are outside, really making sure you are like, you know, taking care of yourself by staying hydrated. Um, especially throughout the Thursday and Friday leading up, because like you said, it is, it is really easy to fall behind on that, especially when you look at the temperature and you're like, oh, it's not actually that hot, but the humidity will just, it will get to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into the actual race. Um, the swim since we dove in, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so this one, you kind of like, you jump in and you do a, a really quick turn from the dock, but then you have a really long straight shot going one direction, really long straight shot going back the other direction. And I know what I noticed in, in the age group race, especially is that, that, that buoy line, um, got, looked like it got really, uh, really bogged down. I don't know what your experience was kind of swimming along that long buoy line, but it seemed like everyone kind of made a beeline for that buoy line. And then you know, if you, if you were in a good line, looked like it was going well, but I, I feel like I saw a lot of people that kind of like got a little bit stuck there in, in big groups. Yeah, I think that for like, exactly right. That first part can be congested. So seating yourself appro appropriately, and then just knowing that that first section is going to be crowded. Now, if you're a, a faster swimmer and you know that, then you'll, you'll want to seed yourself accordingly to be able to get out there and get around that pretty well so when I did the race I just you know I I'm so I hadn't done honestly I hadn't done any amateur Ironmans before that race and I'm I was so used to the pro start and what that was like for me where it was just like this mayhem of going all out for 400 meters and just starting an Ironman day maxed out and so I was all I was all prepared just I think something like trauma wise, I remembered what that was like. And I started right in the front group thinking, and I went, I started swimming and I thought, Oh, everyone's so lovely. Like no one's ever, <laughs> like, it wasn't just a dog fight of being like, absolutely like, the crap kicked out of you and going all out for 400 meters. So my experience was, it was, I remember specifically thinking like, Oh, this is really nice. <laughs> this is really lovely. Like I'm not going max ever. And everyone actually gives you a reasonable amount of space. And I never felt like I got trapped around any of the buoys or bogged down or anything like that. But I'm, I only have what it was like to be in a, a different race scenario, which was much, 
more chaotic, much harder, much rougher, all of those things. So I think, yeah, I mean, seed yourself well and, and maybe be prepared to, to push your way through there a little bit or find your line or even just be patient and calm. calm. If you're stuck there a little bit, just kind of calm down, know you're going to get through that part and then you're going to be able to open up your stroke and, and get, you know, on the straightaway fairly quickly. And I, I always, I always go with clear goggles in Texas just because the chance of it being kind of cloudy in the morning and, and that murkiness of that water, I'd rather have clear goggles and deal with a little sun if it, if it decides to show up, but it is, it is just a straight shot out and then another long straight shot back. So sighting should be pretty easy, especially if you are there the day before you can pick out some landmarks and then you stay along the buoy line and then come back a bit. And then you take that right into the canal and that part can for be me, tricky for some people like that because there's one. I think in certain years there's like one straggler buoy that it's very unclear whether you have to go around it to then turn into the canal or if you can stay on the inside and cut that short. I think that can be and they don't set it out the day before. So that can be hard to navigate out there to know for sure. I don't know if you found that. Um, I, well, I was fighting to stay alive every time at that point as we're going around that corner. So um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what was going on. I was just seeing red. But yeah, you do want to go all the way around that buoy because um, there is like a sandbar there. So if you try and cut it, I don't think you'd be able to keep swimming. I think you've got to headbutt a rock or something. Um, so yeah, you, you want to make sure you keep that buoy kind of on your right as you're going around and in into the canal. And and then the, the canal is where sighting does kind of come into play now because it's not a straight shot like before. The canal kind of does bob and weave a little bit. And the thing I remembered is about is I, you get to the canal and you think, Oh, I'm here. And you kind of like ease up a little bit and you're like, I'm ready for transition, but it's at, you have to spend a pretty long time in that canal where you it's have to keep. Yeah. yeah. So I would, um, if you go to transition and you kind of walk the end of the swim there, you can check out and just see just how long that is because it is a, a pretty long stretch and it isn't exactly straight. The canal <laughs> kind of does bob and weave. So kind of making sure you are sighting a little bit more there. Um, then you have to on like the other part where you're in the, the main part of the pond uh, to stay kind of going as straight as you can down the middle and staying focused because transition is a ways down that canal. Yeah, you can really use the energy of the people watching. It's likely when you're along there, you'll see some of your supporters or loved ones or just like the, the crowds that are along there. You can use that as motivation and a lot of fun and you can use it, you know, you can use it as a bit of a sighting tactic as well to know if you're, you know, how you're doing and uh, if you're going in a straight line or if you're starting to, if it gets congested, if you need to move around people. But the main thing is just really staying on task through there that you don't ease off the gas too much. It's kind of the same as like when you come into transition off the bike, you don't need to ease off the gas too far away, right? Like if you, if once you enter that canal, you're still in the swim for quite a while. Exactly. Yeah. But it is nice. You're right. Because you can see people along the canal there and they, it feels like they're pretty close because in swimming, you're used to people being pretty far away. It kind of reminds me back to my swim meet days with the coach on the deck right next to you in the lane. You got a bunch of people standing there cheering. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Yeah. Let's talk on to the bike course. I was going to say, let's talk about this bike course. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, so yeah, I, you spend the first um, a 10 to 15 miles kind of weaving through town. You do a little out and back and then you kind of head out towards the highway. And that first part is, I'd say like decently heads up, you know, there's not a lot of super long straight stretches. You're kind of 
like I said, weaving through town, you have a few turns and there's some places where the, where the pavement might not be as perfect. Um, but then you get out on the highway. Yeah, I think, you know, even if you're, when you are in that whole first part, it's a long day. Remember that? So as you're navigating through all the corners and maybe some crowds and stuff like that, remember to just relax and know that it's a long day. And once you're out on that highway is where you're really going to be able to settle into your pace and your position and, and all of that. And so it might seem like you need to get on it and be overly aggressive through that whole first part, but Yes, you want to ride through it, take the good lines, you know, be be assertive and and get into the bike course. However, you can calm down just a little knowing, hey, we're just getting going. This is the whole first part of the day and it's a long day ahead of me. So you can just calm down through here and, and pick through it quickly with good lines, but mindfully knowing I don't need to to get after it like a maniac through there. Because once you're out on that highway, there's just so much time out and out on the bike and on the air bars. Yeah, you can definitely burn a lot of matches um, by being aggressive, being too aggressive too early in that first 10 miles. Um, and then, yeah, once you get out of the highway, you've got a nice long stretch that is in general going to be a headwind first. And you're pretty, pretty long ways after that turnaround where that's the only thing that happens out there, right? Just head down <laughs> arrow bars all, all the way out to a turnaround where you get to turn around, come back, and then do that whole like two, two kind of big loops out there on the highway. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the biggest piece of conversation about this course is the packs and the drafting because of the dynamics of this race. And so, you know, the most common thing I'll get is what do I do when I get surrounded by people and maybe the the answer is like okay i'm going to actually put in an effort and get around this pack because if you're at the back of a group and you're realizing to keep the legal distance you're on your brakes and you're up out of your arrow bars and you're freewheeling a lot and you think well okay i'm clearly need to get around this but it might put you might need to put in a solid effort because you pop out of there and go oh wow it's actually pretty windy and like you said it's a headwind it might feel kind of hard but you're thinking i've got you know you've got to follow you've got to follow the rules you've got to pass through and depending on how long that group is i tell my athletes if you have to make that decision it's clearly you know it's it's not worth sitting behind this group because they're moving too slow for what you can do you're up out of your arrow bars you're breaking you're freewheeling all those things so now you make the decision okay i've got to pass how big is this group if you can and hopefully you've trained this in your training to know you can sit at between five and eight minutes no more than 10 minutes at a much higher effort not blowing yourself up and not going bananas or anything like that, but you know, okay, I'm not going to be, I'm going to have to put in a little bit of an effort here to get around this group and get away from them and then settle, then treat it a little bit like an interval where you recover fuel, make sure your core temperature is down and then back into your Ironman racing strategy just to manage those groups. And obviously you only have so many of those in you a day. So you really have to decide clearly like which ones it's worth saying, okay, I'm going to make this move and get around them, or I'm just going to settle down back here. I think if you're up out of your arrow bars and you're breaking or freewheeling, it's the decision to, to put in that effort and go around them and, and commit to that five, you know, however long it takes, whether it's three minutes, five minutes, up to eight minutes at a little bit higher effort to, to get clear and get away. And, um, you know, if you're, 
if you're having to, if you're actually in your aero bars and you're pretty comfortable and speed is good and you're working and you're at a legal distance with whatever group that you're around and it feels, you know, feels all right. That might be a decision where you're like, you know, I'm just going to settle here. I'm going to stay cool. I'm going to keep fueling. I'm going to make sure that I'm looking after myself. And that might not be a group that's worth, you know, making this huge effort to pass and get around. So what, what's your advice on all of that? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that if, you know, you, I think looking at speed can be a good indicator. It's always hard because it is a big headwind, but if you can kind of use speed to say, okay, like, am I, am I still going pretty fast? And the Watts are just low because there is a large group in front of me. And, and I'd say if you're sitting legal and the speed is high and, um, and you feel like, you know, cause the higher the speed is the harder of an effort it's going to be for you. And I'd also say, especially if the speed is high in the first lap, and you're just like feeling antsy, maybe that's the time to just kind of, Hey, let me just sit here and see what happens and stay legal and like, make sure the speed stays high and, and, um, and just kind of like keep pedaling. And, and, and then if that changes, then you can, maybe then it's time to make the pass. Um, because yeah, I think if there is a group of people and again, like you're sitting legal then using that to your advantage is never a bad thing right? Like you get a bunch of people going all sitting legal. There's still going to be a benefit to being on the back of that group. Um, you yeah, know, like if, you said, if everyone's real excited that first lap, right? So if you're, you know, don't be caught where you're the one being overly zealous on that first lap by trying to move through all the, you know, move through pack after pack after pack too quickly, just be, you know, like you say, patient right there. And, and the chances are later on, you're going to end up changing, changing the dynamic and, and who you pass. And as people sort of settle into their day and their Ironman day and realizing where they're at with their, with their pacing and their ability, some people will know how to pace perfectly. And some people will have been going out way too hard and they're all excited and, and caught up in the, in the moment of it. So, you know, you, you, you want to be one of the smart ones, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think it's easy to get, emotional in those situations where it's the start of your day and yet you're excited and you, you know, you emotions are running high because you want to go hard and you want to like, you know, have this successful day. And I think the more you kind of take emotion out and, and just really try and chill out on that first lap, the better you'll set yourself up. And if you do decide that you're going to pass a big group, then I think it's important to keep an eye on your power and an eye on how much time you have per athlete. And you know, you want to use all that either 25 or 30 seconds you have to pass each person. And there's no reason to get around the people in like five or 10 seconds, like, you know, use the amount of time that you actually have. And, and, you know, like you said, you're going to go a little bit above Ironman power, but like you should be under threshold. You shouldn't be like going crazy each person to get around them. So use that time. And then, you know, if you're an age grouper and you can slingshot, then, you know, I'd say use the people to help you bridge up to each person and, and yeah, just say, you know, you need to go slightly faster than them, but you don't need to be sprinting for five minutes to get to the front of the group. Now you, you can use that 30 seconds per rider in order to kind of slowly pick your way up to the front. And if there's officials there and they see you kind of making forward progress and not hanging out behind a rider at all, you're kind of just always making forward progress and you're staying within that time. They're going to give you the time that you, that you're allotted to, to work your way up. 
So, you know, again, you want, you want to keep that kind of like emotionless and, and just staying with the task at hand to get to the front of the group and, um, and, and not like not panic and not go crazy hard, like just slightly harder than, than you were going. And you'll kind of eventually work your way up there. Yeah. And then the other part of that course to watch for is that I, I, I actually have seen some crashes on that course is the, the, the seams and the cracks in the road, right? Like that, that is something that's caught a few people off guard. They're, they're not, you know, they're in race mode and they're not paying attention and maybe they get caught in one of those seams. And so, you know, if you, if you are out there now, there's no reason for that. If you're just riding and paying attention, however, it happens. So you want to keep your eyes up for someone else making that mistake or just knowing, Hey, I want to make sure that I don't make that mistake. while I'm trying to, you know, pass or stay out of the way that there's not one of those long seams that's in the concrete and your front tire or something gets stuck in it. And you find yourself all of a sudden you're like, I don't, I actually don't even know what happened. So just be aware of your, be aware of what's going on, you know, be aware of your road surfaces, those kinds of things. Sounds just straightforward and like common sense. And yeah, yeah, of course, like that's a silly thing to say, but I've seen it happen and more than once. And so I think it's worth mentioning. And the other thing I've noticed with this course, especially being the first race of the year is, you know, everyone has these great fueling strategies and then they get around a lot of people that they're kind of not used to riding around and they don't eat and drink. And all of a sudden it gets to mile 60 and they're like, well, you know, I was around people, I was paying attention to all these things and I wasn't paying attention to my fueling. So just a good reminder that, you know, you all have a nutrition plan, but, and no matter what's going on around you, you need to kind of find a way to execute that plan. Um, you know, a mistake I've made on this exact race course. So it, especially like, especially when you're coming back in the tailwind and you're going pretty fast, usually, um, good surface rolling along pretty well, but you still need to make sure you're eating and drinking. So just kind of make sure that you are executing that plan. And like, if it means that there's a lot of people at the aid station and you need to break in order to get a bottle and maybe you lose an entire 30 seconds, but you're staying hydrated and staying fueled up, that's going to be worth it in the end. So I, I guess being willing to lose a little bit of time if you have to, in order to stay on that plan is going to be better in the long run. Yeah, that's smart advice for sure. And even as you're, if you are passing and, and as the laps go on and maybe you're, if you're a faster rider trying to pass, you know, different people on their first lap or something like that, I always encourage athletes to use your voice. You know, there's nothing wrong with yelling out, you know, on your left, on your left, on your left, don't catch anybody by surprise. And I think that, you know, by not knowing that that's not only okay to do, but a good thing to do, then everybody's safer. If you're planning on being more conservative that day, or you just know that you're a little bit slower, or more cautious rider, staying to the right, knowing that the faster riders are going to come through, especially as those, as the pro fields start to come through, right? You all of a sudden see, you know, the pro pro men coming through and they're really moving fast. So if you know, you're, you know, maybe a little bit, you're going to be out there a little longer, you're a little bit slower on the day. And, and you think, you know, it's best just like any freeway, you know, let the, let the real fast cars, if those pro men are coming through on the laps, stay right and, and let them fly through and, and watch that you're not just in your own little planet there and then get caught off guard and, and get scared by that. So if you are a faster rider, use your voice. If you're a little bit slower rider, make sure that you're mindful that you stay, stay to the right and, and make a safe day for everybody out there. Yeah. Awesome. And 
And then I also like kind of like the end of the swim where you get in the canal and you have to kind of stay on the gas. I see this a lot with the end of the bike course where you get off that highway and it feels like you're done. But then you still have like, I want to say it's eight or 10 miles through town to get back to transition. And, and it's, um, yeah, it's more time than you want it to be. And it's pretty easy to lose focus and just start thinking about the run. And you really need to ride all the way to the transition and, um, yeah, stay on the gas, stay focused, stick to your plan all the way through. And, and you can't, um, it just kind of soft pedal that last eight miles. Yeah. And the last thing that I want to say about the bike course too, is that, you know, as triathletes and we go into these courses, we do have our very specific race plan with ranges that we know we're going to fall, fall in with, you know, Watts and heart rate and cadence and all of these things. Remember to read the road and read the conditions and read the course and then make decisions based on what's happening with that. And what I mean by that, it's like when I described it the other day to someone is that when you drive your car, you're dry, you've got your dashboard of all your gauges. You've got your speed, you've got your gas gauge, you've got, you know, all these things in front of you, but you're still driving the car and you're looking ahead and you're planning for what's this car doing? Is the light changing? Do I need to slowly brake? Do I need to move through traffic? These kinds of things. So it's the same thing. You know, we have our when you're on a course like Texas, where it's a bit crowded, it's laps, you've got tailwinds, you've got headwinds, you've got gradual uphills, you've got gradual downhills, that's going to change all those little indicators, watts, heart rate, cadence, all of those things, gearing. And so just like when you drive your car, you're still driving the car, you're reading the road, you're aware of everything that's happening around you. And, and, and it's not necessarily that you just lock into your exact watts and like nothing else matters so on a dynamic course some courses are dynamic because the terrain is dynamic the wind the hills that kind of thing someone might say oh texas is a really boring course it's not it's dynamic in the fact that you're just like when you drive on a freeway there's a lot happening there's a lot going on and those metrics are going to change based on what's happening around you and and you know what kind of wind you're in how many people you're around those kinds of things so make good decisions based on driving the car and reading the gauges a combination of the two. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. So, uh, onto the run, you know, you've ridden that last bit of road pretty strong. You, uh, get to get that little run through transition to, to feel how your legs are doing. And then you get to head out on the run course. Um, how'd you find this run course? Oof, dude, <laughs> it's great, <laughs> right? I mean, I hadn't done an Ironman since I had retired and, and hadn't done a whole lot of run training. And I did not <laughs> run consistently when I retired to when I decided to do an Ironman. So my perspective was, oh, good Lord. But I will say, you know, the big thing about what well, Ironman we know is really about it's a it's a long day. It's a strength day. It's really about perseverance when it gets hard. And the, the most challenging things about this course are one that you're on concrete a lot, and that gets hard later on, on your body that, and that it's, it can be quite hot and humid. And you're going to need to be, not only are you managing that all day on the bike to set yourself up for the run, but you really need to manage it well, right from the start of the marathon. So it's, it's real easy to get it caught up in like in any 
Iron Man get caught up in taking off a little bit too fast. But even more importantly here is knowing that that the repercussions of that in the heat and the humidity and with the concrete later on can be, you know, magnified even more. It can, the, the result of what that can do to your body can be even more than say a more friendly type Ironman run course. So again, it's not, this course is not, if you look at it on paper, it doesn't appear to be a difficult course, but there's elements of this course that make it difficult. And it is things like, you know, heat and humidity, concrete. Um, there's a lot of corners. You can, you can make this course a lot faster by running the fastest lines, making the course. I tell, you know, tell, always tell people make the course as short as possible. You don't need to go any further than, than what you need to, you know, when you go up on that little grass hill and you run around every corner or you you want to take absolutely the shortest lines possible and, and make this course as as short be out there the least amount of time that you possibly have to so how about you um yeah i feel like humidity is just not forgiving like once you overheat in humidity getting your core temperature back down is just not really going to happen and and so i think that you're right like really paying attention to how hard you're running in the beginning is going to is going to pay back tenfold if you don't run too hard because it, the day is just going to get hotter. And, you know, when you're running to try and you're just, you're just trying to manage the entire time. And, and I think that being really cognizant of the fact that it's probably going to be the hottest run you've done all year to this point. And so you've got a kind of a lot of things working against you to have a successful run here, especially if you start too hard. So being conservative and focusing on doing everything you can to manage that heat is, I think that, like the one key to success in this course. If you come from somewhere warm and you're heat adapted already, then more power to you. You're in a good spot. But like most people that come to this race are probably not. So just being really careful with that heat and humidity as um is is going to be really important. And and knowing that if you do start to get a little too hot, then it's time to like really double down on doing the things you can, like grabbing all the ice you can, you know, maybe it's walking some aid stations in order to make you know the end of that run successful. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like the, the name of the game on this run course is, you know, kind of like I was saying in a couple of the parts of this course, but it's, is staying engaged because you, like, you're right on paper, there's no big Hills in this run course. There's nothing that makes it look super hard or super technical, but there's also not a ton of like straight shots where you're running. So you're kind of running around this park and you're kind of running up and down you're kind of twisting through like a little, like this little wooded area. And, um, and then you're back down by the river for a little bit. And then you do a little loop-de-loo and then you come back down you're over a bridge. And, and so there's kind of all these places where you could not run the tangents or you could kind of just be like drifting away. And what happens to me is like, you know, I'll drift 15, 20 seconds a mile slower than my goal pace. And it feels a lot easier. And it's like, I can kind of focus on everything else, but then it's hard to get back down. So I guess really staying engaged with what you're doing in every moment and like focusing on, on, on running the tangents, focusing on staying on the gas while, you know, you're on that third lap and it's going to be crowded because there's going to be more people out there. And so you're going to have to be weaving around some people like, you know, it is concrete. It does get fairly narrow in places. So I think that there's just, there's a lot of moments to lose time if you're 
if you're kind of letting your mind drift. And so if you're kind of low on fuel and your, your brain is losing a little bit of function, it's just harder to, to kind of stay engaged. It's kind of like mountain biking for me where I need to eat way more than I do on a road bike because I, I'm mentally engaged. I'd say this is kind of one of those races where, you know, you can bleed a lot of time if you're not focused. So yeah, there's a lot of moving parts out there. Make sure you're kind of staying engaged and you're, you know, running the tangents, you're um, focusing on what the road, the road is doing while you're kind of running through it. And, um, and yeah, then you can kind of keep, you can keep that momentum going. But once you start going off the gas, it's just hard every time to kind of get back on it. I will say too, if you do find yourself in a position where you notice you're like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to, I made some mistakes and I'm starting to overheat a little bit. And, and the, Big thing that happens with that, not only your core temperature and the overheating, but not being able to absorb the nutrition that you're meant to be taking in because you're overheating a little bit. Don't be afraid to stop at an aid station and really get some ice on you and cool down because that one minute, let's say it takes you one minute to stop at an aid station and really cool your core temperature down with ice on your neck and in your shorts and you know some water and stuff like that get everything settled down and then restart back up slowly. And I know that restart back up in Ironman when you're on the marathon can feel like absolute death, right? You're just like, Oh my God, but restart back up with the core temperature, a little cooler so that you're able to still absorb your nutrition. If you notice that that stuff is happening, you can reset and then get going again. That one minute might save you 20 minutes worth of walking because you didn't take a second to just reboot there a little reboot. If that happens, if, if you find that's, that's going on for you, ideally you pace it perfectly. Ideally you're, you know, you're trouble, not troubleshooting, but you're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're doing everything you can to prevent kind of any overheating or rejection of nutrition. You're doing all of the things to pre- you keep setting yourself up all day long to, to stay right on task, but it's good to have, you know, if, whether it's just the reminder or even just the information like, oh, hey, yeah, if if something because Iron Man really is about being able to adapt and roll with whatever happens that day, because it, it's a really long day and a lot of things happen. And hopefully in training at some point, all of them have happened to you enough that you know what to do. But inevitably, every Iron Man I ever did is like something comes up that you've never encountered before. And just being uh, aware and be having the confidence to just make good logical decisions while you're out there to say, yeah, I can, I can stop for one minute, cool my core temperature down, get, you know, get some fluids into me, start back up gradually, make sure I'm getting that fluid in and then I'm back on task. And, and like you say, right back onto the pace and concentration level that you're meant to be to reach your goals that could save you, you know, five kilometers of walking. I was at an Ironman. There's nothing slower you can do all day than walk. Right. I mean, that is if you are, that's the slowest thing. So the more we can prevent if you're, you know, if walking's part of your plan, that's OK. But if it's not and if it is part of your plan, you've probably sectioned it into timed brief moments that where you're walking with purpose, like a late for the plane kind of walk. And you've got those it's, it's planned in. But if it's that that's a different kind of walk, then man, I have exploded everywhere and I am just trying to survive and I'm strolling along. That's what we're trying to prevent from happening. So in any Ironman, that's, you know, you're, you're constantly looking after yourself and you're constantly making good decisions to, to prevent that kind of thing from happening. 
Yeah, I walked last 20K of an Ironman once. Let me tell you, that took a long time. I was, <laughs> I was out there a while. Uh, walking is not fast. Um, yeah. And yeah, I like to think about doing everything in each moment to get to the finish line as fast as I can. And I think it's it's really good to know that, that I think it's great advice to say, well, in this moment, if I stop for one minute, that is going to get me to the finish line the fastest. So having that as like a viable option and not just like, oh, I need to keep trudging forward, even if I'm seven minutes a mile off my pace right now, because um, I'm totally like, yeah, overheating, overheating and stumbling forward. But yeah, taking that, that time can definitely help you keep running. Um, I remember actually, too, at the end of this course, that last where you go you know, all the way to the end and then back again before the finish line, man, that felt that is, that is long too. And so it's kind of like the bike where you say, you know, that old saying, race right to the finish and whatever racing is for you, but it's make sure that you keep working all the way until you cross that finish line, because that's actually quite a long ways. I remember getting to that, that last I think it was like last two, three miles and thinking I'm almost there. Like I can hear the finish line. I can see it. It's right there, but it caught me off guard how long that took from, you know, the point where you come over the bridge and then you're along the side there and, and, you know, oh, wow, this is still a little way. So in every moment, right until the finish, you're looking after yourself, you're staying cool. You're preventing any kind of lockdown, even in that last two miles, especially when you're running on concrete that long. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is worth noting like to check out that finish. Cause you kind of run at the finish line for a long time and then you turn away from it. And then you kind of have like this ramp, you've got to do like a, a 360 degree turn on and run back up to the finish line. And so like, yeah, I would, I would look at that because that isn't as straightforward as a lot of the course. And, um, it is a tough finish line. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> but it's a fun course, right? The great thing is, is that because of the loops, there's uh, great crowds, you know, there's always lots of people out there cheering and, you know, maybe they're even partying a little bit. So you get the the music and, you know, all the fun shenanigans on the side of the course. It's a great opportunity for all your loved ones to see you often. And so you can really feed off of that energy because of the laps, you know, you can feed off the energy of of the others coming, coming through on different laps than you, you get to see your friends who are racing often, even though you might be going different paces because of that. And I think, you know, take advantage of that, enjoy it. You know, you've, you've put in a ton of work to be at this event. You signed up for something really hard. You dedicated yourself to it. You, you know, it's going to be an adventure out there and a long day and you've done all of the work to be out there and 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 so enjoy it you know to celebrate it um embrace the hard stuff because you know that's why we sign up for this stuff nobody said hey an iron man's going to be you didn't say it doesn't say you know this will be easy and comfortable underneath it this it's like this will be hard you will be challenged at some point but it's what you decided to do and you've put in a lot of work and energy and go out there and have a lot of fun and and it's like you're surrounded by how many thousands of people who think your version of fun is the same right it's like we all are the same on on, on this on, on these events so good to get into the Ironman season and, and embrace that with with 2000 or what is it? How many people are in this race? There's a lot. 
Like, uh, I, yeah, two or three. I don't know. It's a, it's, yeah, that's it's a big one. Just like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that every time you get to race now, it's kind of like, it's kind of special after we lost racing for a while. So yeah, it's exciting to get the chance to race. So enjoy the opportunity. Absolutely. Cool. It's a fun stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot. I know that there's a, a lot of different, more detailed power profiles, this, that on race course, but as far as, Hey, take some tips away, go out there and have a great day. Keep these things in mind to make your day better based on the race plan that you've laid out. Hopefully everyone can take a little something away and, and get out there and kick some ass. Awesome. That's a great place to end it. Thanks, Jesse. Fun stuff. Thank you.